Welcome to the Put Yourself First podcast. This show is dedicated to empowering women like you to put yourself first and achieve your goals. I'm your host, Kat Horrocks, a women's life and career coach based in Manchester, UK. Each week, I'll be sharing stories, perspectives, and expertise from successful and inspiring women so you can feel empowered with the positive vibes and practical guidance to step into the next level version of you. So if you're craving more passion and purpose in your life or you're just looking for a boost in your busy day, make sure you're subscribed and let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This week I am sitting down with Joe, founder of Mad and Sad Club. Joe works with corporate companies and working individuals to help manage mental health within the workplace. So we talk from both sides today. So we talk about the work that Joe does with corporate. So working, you know, with within leadership and management to help people help their team Um, and we also talk about the work that Joe does with individuals to help them manage their mental health and feel well and looked after within their own work and what is within their control in terms of um, the boundaries and other you know support that they can give themselves asking for help like there's so many really great tangible tips in today's chat and something that I've really struggled with in my coaching practice is helping people helping women who do work a nine-to-five because I work for myself I've always thought in the past oh I can't tell someone how to say no because I work for myself and I have the luxury of being able to say no and have that level of control but um, I'm really glad we had this chat because Joe really shed some light on that and shed some light on um, company culture and how it can really begin from those small acts of setting boundaries, saying no she gives some really great practical advice on how to have those difficult conversations. So whether you struggle with your mental health or not, um, mental health, just like physical health, is something that we will all continually work on and continually come back to. It's just such an important thing to have in mind and to consider. So I really hope you enjoy this one. Um, I got so much out of it and please do check out Mad and Sad Club, um, check out the work that Joe does and do let us know what you think and any big kind of realisations and takeaways you get from this. Hi everyone, welcome back to Put Yourself First. Today I'm with Joe. say hello. <laughs> Hi everyone, thanks so much for having me Kat. Thanks so much for being on today. Uh, we're going to have a really important conversation, something that's really close to my heart, something that um, I feel like so many women, myself included, really struggle with, and that is um, feeling well, but p- particularly managing mental health and feeling well at work, you know, when you work full time, when modern life is just so 
hectic and we're all like very very career driven and yeah it can just get a lot when it comes to managing that in the workplace so would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about Mad and Sad Club and the work that you do? Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I um, used to work in communications. I worked in comms for 11 years um, and it's known to be a kind of high volume, high stress, fast paced industry. Um, and I thought I kind of thrived on that for a really long time. Um, until I realised I didn't. <laughs> um, until basically I um, had two breakdowns in the space of a year um, in 2017 to 2018 and realised that I needed to radically change the way I worked practically, the way I thought about work, the way I related to work, um, to have a more positive less toxic um relationship with work to keep myself mentally healthy and vaguely happy um and so um i left that career um last year in 2019 and set up mad and sad club work with kind of corporates to help them kind of break through the fear barrier when it comes to mental health in the workplace lots of companies are frightened about how to support their people, what to say, what not to say, um, what's legally allowed. Um, and I wanted to use my experience of struggling with my mental health at work to help companies do that better. Um, and then over the past year, I've also started to work one-to-one um, -one with um, people who either work for themselves or work for companies um, that they don't own um, to help them learn how to kind of change their relationship work I guess and learn to manage their mental health better um, as part of their work. That's really great and I feel like so unneeded as well because so many of us resonate with that story or resonate with even you know knowing someone else who's had to go off work stressed and mm. I feel like that is the problem with like modern the modern way of working because we are so career driven, we are so focused on climbing the corporate ladder or building a business or being the best. Um, we almost have this like very all or nothing mindset with work where we, you know, we go and we go, and we go and we go until we can't go anymore and our body starts mm. to shut down. And then we have to be signed off work sick or we have to, you know, quit our job or take extended time off. And I feel like, something you know something is there like there has to be another way yeah absolutely and like I learned how to kind of find that what I call new normal for me when I um, went back to work I took or I was signed off for three months in 2018 after my second breakdown um and I had to find this sort of new normal when I came back and then for me when I set up my business it meant that I consciously have I consciously think about how to run my business in a way that that allows me to be healthy um mentally um and also I think uh your your point about you know we're working it's all or nothing um for me what is underneath that is um 
a fear of failure of not being good enough and for me I work hard because I get that sense of validation and confidence from work I think that's kind of where we need to start is uncovering those unhealthy thinking patterns and then looking at okay well how can we change our behavior how can we change our business how can we change the way we work to kind of help us combat those weird crazy thoughts yeah yeah I I really resonate with that so how how do we begin approaching this because um of course we talk about you know we work for ourselves and we have that we do have that freedom and that flexibility to carve out Mm. a business that works for us um and I feel like we can really touch on that but first I want to talk about the work that you do specifically because you go into corporate environments and you work with people who have a nine-to-five working a corporate job how do you how do you even begin to approach to approach and broach the subject of mental health when we all as a society still have this really damaging belief that our you know our worth and our success Mm. at work is directly tied to the hours that we put in to what we say yes to and a lot of people almost feel trapped and might hear this and think well, what am I supposed to do? Because that's what I have to do for my boss to like me or to get a promotion or to do well. I think it changes either from the top down or the bottom up. And so the work that I do with companies often starts with like the leadership teams. Are we seeing lots of people um, struggling? Are we seeing lots of people um, having to take time off? Um, What impact does that then have on the teams left behind? How do our managers cope with that, if at all? Um, And I help them to figure out like, their approach as a business to mental health and to supporting people's mental health in the workplace and often that then gets to okay well how are we running our business and are we running our business in a way that um allows people to maintain positive mental health and so I've worked with a lot of agencies and often the agency billing setup is based on billable hours um, and that generally doesn't come when it comes to people's mental health and and the hours that they're working and so sometimes it does spark um, leaders and business owners to kind of look at the way that they're structured and the way that um, they're set up but then also culture can be changed from the bottom up so from with individuals and that's what I did in my last corporate job was um, I recognized I needed to change the way I worked looked at how and kind of just being honest with the organization with my bosses with my peers with my team Um, and that really it sounds a bit big-headed to say it but that really started like a shift in the culture within the business and started a bigger conversation about okay well how can we help people to stay healthy and genuinely when it comes to mental health in corporates in the workplace like one person can make a huge difference just by starting to be honest and starting the conversation and then following that conversation with action Um, because one thing I think at the moment is that mental health at work is a huge topic and you know we're hearing a lot of it's okay not to be okay and please talk but that only works if it's then followed by action by the organization otherwise lots of people are talking but with no support afterwards 100% and a lot of people aren't speaking up for fear of being held back in their career like no one's going to be open about their mental health if the underlying message is well as long as you're productive as long as you're working really hard as long as you're turning off and saying yes to everything then you'll be fine (laughs) 
Yeah, and I think, so one of the things that I'm doing this year is um, launching job ads on my website for only for mentally healthy workplaces, because I think um, there we're starting to see this like huge seismic shift in workplaces where people want to work for organizations that give a toss about them. Um, I think like 10 years ago, people wanted to work for organizations with a purpose, and I, I'm sure that they still do. But people now like young people I say that I'm in my 30s people like who are just coming into the workplace want to work for companies that care about them and so people are going to start voting with their feet and moving to workplaces that do um but also one of the things that just makes me cry when it comes to mental health and work is that fewer than half of people with mental health conditions are actually in work like you can struggle with your mental health, have a mental health crisis, fall out of the workplace because you don't feel you can go back or you um, decide that you need longer off to recover than, than your company will allow you. And then people really struggle to get back into work. So, um, yeah, I'm launching job ads to basically help people find jobs with companies that care about them and that are willing to support them. Amazing. That's such such a wonderful idea. And I feel like it's so it's such a tragedy that there's so many gifted you know talented passionate people out there who can give so much they might just be able to give three days a week like what a revelation (laughs) someone might just want to come in for three days a week do a really good fucking job and then go home and be with the family and look after their mental health and take a rest and all the other stuff that they might need and sometimes it's not even that like so for me one of my um one of the things that i want and the way that i'm designing my business five short days because i know that i'm not at my best in the morning like i'm i'm most productive and most creative in the afternoons um and it also means that like i don't like to have lots of meetings in a day because i know that stresses me out and i don't like to um travel if I'm doing a workshop or something I don't like to travel to it on the morning of I like to go the day before and so it doesn't always have to be huge radical changes to a person's job to allow them to thrive um and also sorry I'm like word vomiting at you cat because I'm just so passionate about all this stuff but um also I think people who have struggled or are struggling with their mental health are probably some of the most self-aware people and those people make for great employees and great managers um so those people have a lot to offer to companies I wanted to ask you about saying no because this is a topic I talk about a lot I talk a lot about the power of saying no um knowing you know when your gut is telling you that you don't want to do something or you don't have the capacity to do something you don't have the time mm-hmm. um work I work with a lot of women who are people pleasers and of course I talk about this in personal life and professional life but one one place like I've felt really stuck on when it comes to talking about this is saying no in the workplace because of course yeah. I have full control over what I say no to in my work because I am the business owner and I'm almost like I'm almost hesitant to talk about it with a nine to five or a corporate a corporate employee or someone particularly you know in a high stress kind of very demanding role because I almost I almost don't know how they how they can say you know and some of the women that I work with feel that sense like I said of feeling trapped because Mm. they either have built up to a certain point and they feel like they have to maintain it 
or they're so passionate about what they do they want to succeed they want to be promoted they want to do well but they feel like the only way to do that is to take everything on so I'm assuming that when you started making those changes in your previous role that you had to say no start saying no more to certain things how did you do that like how did you find the courage and how do you actually go about doing that in the workplace when it's you know your boss or a higher up or someone asking you to do something yeah um so for me it wasn't even a case of finding the courage it was a necessity like my mental health had become so bad um that it massively affected my brain function and my physical functioning like I I was not physically or mentally capable of doing what I had done for the last 10 years um but what I have kind of realized during that time and with working with people since then who both work for companies and work for themselves is that a lot of um what stops you saying no is your own behavior and a lot of um the the reasons why we get into this state of constantly saying yes is because we have started and continued to behave that way and set the organization's expectations of us um and those are things that we can change we can change our behavior and change those expectations um and i think if you look at you know women around the boardroom table the ones who you admire the most are the ball busters who know when to say no and aren't afraid to kind of go toe to toe with somebody else and and put their opinion across and not just say yes um so i think actually we have a lot more control over how we can work in a nine to five than we realize because a lot of it is set by our own behavior difficult as that is to kind of confront I think it means that we have a lot more control than maybe we first think that's a really hopeful perspective and I love that how how do you actually say no then how do you say no (laughs) how how do you say no to your boss how do you say no to your colleague like how do you approach that um when in the moment everything in you is like you need to say yes to this otherwise you're going to fail at work otherwise you're not going to succeed yeah I think um so I'm like a sort of planner person (laughs) I'm less of a fly by the seat of my pants more of a planner so I would recommend having like a few phrases that are in your head that feel comfortable for you to use that basically say no so like um you know, I'm I'm working on X as a real priority at the moment, so I just can't take that on right now. Um, or one that I used to use a lot was, um, I'm working on this other project um, and this other project and this other project. Which of those are you happy for me to drop so that I can take on this new thing? If you struggle to kind of have that, um, what can feel like confrontation in the moment, then there's no, absolutely no shame in saying, can I come back to you? Um, like, send me the details and I'll I'll have a look and come back to you about when I can get that done and you don't have to feel like you've got to say no when someone's standing right at your desk asking something Mm, yeah we're so on the same page about that I love (laughs) I love everything you shared I always like rehearse the no's in my head yeah but I particularly love especially in in a corporate environment um the example of oh this you know doing this will take away from this task that or this project that I'm working on 
it, it have I got you go ahead to do that because then yeah. people people start to realize that there's only you know there's only so many hours in the day there's only so much one person can take on mm. and if you want the best from people then everyone in a team needs to be practicing priorities like what's your priority task what's your priority project and then anything else like needs to be needs to be discussed and needs to be scrutinized before it's taken on definitely and also everyone in the team needs to be honest with one another like if we all continue to um you know to to people please and i'm definitely a recovering in recovery people pleaser and for me that comes down to you know what's underneath that is fear of failure and fear of not being good enough and those are you know huge things that I have been and am still working on when it comes to my mental health it only takes one person to start being you know brutally honest about things to really start to shift culture if anyone is listening and they're resonating and they feel that they feel like this is exactly what I need <laughs> I need to start putting my I need to start putting myself first my mental health first at work mm. what would your advice be to them in terms of how to start managing how to start managing their mental health and looking after the health in the workplace I would say start by thinking about two things think about kind of the thought patterns and the kind of mindset stuff that is a bit wonky when it comes to work so um, that might be that you feel like you have to work in a certain way to get ahead or you feel like there's just too much work to do or it might feel that um, you've only got this far because of the way that you've been working for the past however many years and so you have to keep doing that so I would I would isolate and find those um, like wonky thoughts and then I would start to ask yourself why and keep digging into what's underneath those and generally what's underneath all of those thoughts is some sort of fear um, and when you figured that out then I would start to look at okay well practically what can I change that will start to shift things um, I have like a course workshop on my website called Compass, which is all about resetting your boundaries of work. And what I get people to do is to look at every sort of boundary, every sort of kind of strand that makes up their relationship with work and rank how good or bad they feel about those things. And then also rank how much of an impact each of changing each one of those things would have on them. And then you can kind of isolate like a few things to start looking to shift and then I would just have a really honest conversation with your employer about what you need um, and ask for it and if you do, actually if you don't need to ask for it then just do it like we were saying about the behavior change sometimes those things you don't need to ask for because they're not things that are like contractually required of you they're things that you've built up over time as an expectation of you mm, yeah yeah that's so true how do you tackle emails and phone and calls because that's another huge thing that comes up amongst everyone you know we're all we're all seemingly constantly stressed and spiraling about the state of our inbox or <laughs> how many you know how many emails we haven't replied to um I've worked with you know lawyers teachers people who sometimes are at the beck and call of someone else on the other end of yeah. their phone and they've um they've basically said to me like I feel like I can't 
I can't not answer because it's a client or because it's a deadline or because it's something really important. How do you tackle that? Because I feel like the phone and boundaries around emails and texts and calls and that's such a huge source of stress for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I think there's like the the strategy way to do it or the practical way to do it. So in an organization where you're effectively working like an agency, like a lawyer or um, like in a law firm or in like a comms agency or whatnot, um, your organization needs to look at or what is the SLA that you set with your clients? Like if you said that you're going to respond to their emails within within an hour or 24 hours um, and then you kind of need to remind yourself that again about prioritization I guess like what is responding to that email or that call going to stop you from being able to do Um, and then the practical stuff and the way that I kind of have built really firm boundaries for myself in the businesses um, I don't have any notifications on on my phone I don't have the email app on my phone I don't have the LinkedIn app on my phone because I know that both those things are triggering for me I set times when I'm going to look at my emails um, and I had to um, move certain apps to different places on my phone to interrupt the muscle memory the physical muscle memory because I would find myself just going to them without thinking about it and I do the same on my laptop I've um, removed my email from the menu bar so that I have to actively go and look for it Um, and that kind of sometimes is a wake up to like why am I doing this right now Um, so yeah there's the kind of again there's the thought processes and the thought patterns and the sort of the what is your SLA around it and then there's the practical um, how you interrupt those thought patterns and how you interrupt that um, physical muscle memory yeah yeah and I think that's another example like the you know the saying no where we are are telling ourselves in our head we have to do it and in fact if we didn't do it or if it happened tomorrow instead of today it wouldn't be the end of the world (laughs) because sometimes we don't give other people credit as well because we assume that someone else is demanding this from us when they might just be asking and then we wait till tomorrow yeah. and they're still, you know, if, if they, if they were to realize like if they emailed us in the evening that it's going to stress us out, that most people don't have that intention, right? Most people aren't being malicious and it's not, you know, they're fine if you reply to them tomorrow. Mm. Again, yeah, exactly. And again, that's why I think starting with the thought patterns is so important because like you say, most people won't be emailing you at eight o'clock at night with the thought in their mind, why the bloody hell is Joe not looking at her emails at eight o'clock at night? They'll probably be doing it because they themselves have boundaries with work and are just finding the time to send that email then. But the thought that that triggers in you is they're checking up on me. It's because I'm not good enough. It's because they're going to find me out. It's because I need to be working longer, harder, more. Um, And those are the thought patterns that you need to try and notice and challenge and break and then help yourself break those by changing your behavior and your your kind of like the physical muscle memory like we talked about yeah and flipping this around what advice would you give to people listening who are higher up in their role maybe they're in management they're a leader maybe they're a business owner and they're growing a team what how do you approach that side of your work in terms of 
starting that conversation and actually following through and building that culture and that work environment that nurtures people's mental health yeah so I think it's two things it's talking about it and being proactive about it so I do a lot of work with leadership teams to as I said help them like set an approach to mental health in their organization set a kind of clear um, process for want of a less you know, worky word um, that people can follow if they are worried about someone or if they are unwell themselves and a clear understanding of what support can be offered to them and that everyone in the organisation knows that. So they know that their organisation cares about them and they know what help they can get if they need it. So being proactive about this stuff is critical. And then the second thing is just being human and recognising that you're a human being and the person sat in front of you saying they can't cope is also a human being and taking the work kind of situation out of it what do you kind of morally feel would be right for that person um I think companies and managers and leaders especially get really caught up in you know like the legalities and the HR processes that in most organizations around this stuff don't exist yet um, and forget that we're all just human beings at the end of the day and the person in front of you is unwell and how would you treat them if they came to you and said that they've been diagnosed with um, you know it was like diabetes or another chronic health condition that comes in waves like how would you treat them then that's that's the sort of yardstick that you should hold yourself to if they're they then need support with their mental health yeah thank you so before we head into the quick round i well i'm scared about the quick round cat are you (laughs) i find like i find i'm not very like quick fiery so i have thought in advance about my answers (laughs) that's absolutely fine there is no pressure like i say quick round and then some people spend about 10 minutes answering each question so it's all good round yeah (laughs) we go with the flow round um okay but before we head there um i would love to finish up by chatting about some of your personal like daily practices and you know routines and things that you do to manage your workload manage your stress like i mentioned at the beginning we have the beauty of self-employment so we can fully kind of shape that um and i love what you've already said about slow mornings that is such a huge part of my working life as well um Mm. particularly sleep and making sure i get enough sleep that's like my baseline I'm not yeah. a good human being if I've not slept enough. So <laughs> I never, I never set an alarm unless I'm catching a flight or unless I, you know, I'm getting oh, up really interesting. early. Oh yeah. I have. So I am obsessed with sleep. Um, I've had like real trouble with sleep since I was a teenager, but the idea of not setting an alarm, that's really interesting. I've not tried that. Um, but yeah, slow morning for me is crucial. Like my boyfriend, um, wakes for like half six and leaves at like half seven and I generally will wake up like as he's getting ready and leaving and then I will either listen to a podcast or read a book and listen to the radio for like an hour (laughs) have a cup of tea in bed with my cat um and then kind of start working about half nine ten um I I've started this year to sort of um theme my days and that has massively helped me um maintain focus as well as um 
positive mental health. So um, I bookend the week on a Monday and a Friday with like working on my business days. So that's like marketing and finances and um, like planning and things like that. And then the three days in the middle, I have a day and a half that's dedicated to um, like what I call my human to human work. Um, and then a day and a half that's dedicated to my corporate work. Um, so what that means is if I get an email on one of those days, the way I deal with it. So I got an email about some corporate work on my one to one day. And I told myself, I'm not going to look at that now. I'm going to look at that on Wednesday afternoon or whenever I next come to it. Um, so like that for me really helps me to compartmentalize my work, which I find very important. Like I, I do need firm boundaries with my work and my life. Um, equally, I don't work in the evenings or at the weekends. Um, again, that's just what works for me is really clear, firm boundaries. Um, I'm still um, working out what works best for me in terms of kind of where I work. So we have a room and I have my desk in the spare room um, and I generally work from home probably three days or four days a week. And then I work in town in London for maybe one or two days in um, this great place that I um, am a member of, um, which is just really quiet and beautiful and bright. Um, so yeah, I do have some quite sort of firm boundaries for myself. Um, but also, so my word for this year, which always feels a little bit grandiose talking about your word for the year, um, but it's space. It. <laughs> I'm a coach. I love a word of the year. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm in a safe space. Um, so my, <laughs> my word for the year is space. So one of my goals is to find space in my work. And so again, helping me to like move towards my goal of working part-time in my business. I'm giving myself an afternoon off a week. Um, I, um, um, one of my things is I want to find time to read every day within the working day in inverted commas. So I read in the morning and I read before I go to sleep, but reading for me is like when I'm well is like the best thing for me to switch my brain off when I'm not well, I can't read because I can't switch my brain off and then I listen to audiobooks. Um, but that for me is really important to find time in the working day to, to find time to read even if it's like half an hour um so yeah I'm I'm using my word of the year to basically figure out how I can kind of bring that into my working week I love that and yeah that resonates so much with me I was just thinking the other day I need to find time to read more yeah and for me it is gonna have to be in the work day because yeah in the evening I'm switched off and I'm spending time with my partner yeah. and we do like we both read in bed either in the morning or in the evening but a lot of my reading is work-based anyway and it's almost yeah. like I need to give it that respect and see it as study and personal development yeah so I tend to have a workbook and a non-workbook on the go at the same time um so like my workbooks that are on my list to read are The Big Leap start with why and then I'm currently reading Little Women um because I went to see the film and now I'm obsessed with it oh, I love that I love hearing what <laughs> people are reading I've got the big leap on my bookshelf like that's on my next my next oh maybe we can do a little big leap reading club yeah I think it's going to be like a real eye-opener for me it's there's lots of stuff in there about fear of success and mm. that's definitely one of my many fears yeah yeah same same so <laughs> the the dreaded the dreaded quick <laughs> round is here 
<laughs> it's all right. I've got some notes. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. They're all like, I think they're all pretty good questions. They are. I'm not, it's I not like that the questions are so. bad. It's just that I'm like, oh, what if I say something stupid in the heat of the moment? <laughs> <laughs> no, no stupid, no stupid answers. No stupid questions. Okay. Um, question one is what is your go-to self-care ritual? So for me, this might sound weird, but smells are really um, a huge part of helping me calm down or evoke a certain mood or like maintain positive mental health. So I have like loads of different um, essential oil rollables. Um, I've got a diffuser going at the moment with lavender and geranium in. Um, so yeah, smells are like crucial. And then a book um quite simple thing love it we are the same person I, <laughs> I also have my diffuser <sighs> on my rollerballs on my desk at all times I literally think I look like a lunatic because I am constantly putting essential oils on myself I must absolutely reek all the time <laughs> because I've like got them everywhere <laughs> I'm sure they smell amazing. Second they question, really do. <laughs> second question is, what is challenging you to leave your comfort zone recently? So I always used to be the person, well, since I like started to grapple with my mental health, I became the person who was like, I like it in my comfort zone. Don't push me to go out of it. It's all fine and nice in here. Thank you. Um, so basically everything I do now <laughs> pushes me out of my comfort zone. Um, but the big thing at the moment, I am working on developing a course for self-employed people to help them manage their mental health through their work. Um, and I think what what I would have done if I didn't want to push myself was just make it like just a workshop or something kind of um, uh, less intensive. But I really think that it could be really powerful for people as like a course, an e-course. So I'm trying to develop that and yeah, push through some of the fears around that at the moment. Exciting stuff. Yeah. What are your goals for 2020? Um, so my, like I said, my word of the year is space. And so I'm trying to like, um, in my goals, think about how I can embody that, I guess. So one of my goals, like I said, is to work part time. Um, and so I'm kind of slowly working towards that. Um, one of my other goals is to launch mentally healthy job ads on my website and help people get jobs in companies that actually care about them. Um, and also, I really want to buy a car this year. I um, Since I started working for myself and working from home, I live in South London and it feels very claustrophobic. Um, and I really want to be able to get out of London more. And so for me, I really want to be able to have a car to just get out of the city a bit and find some more space outside of London. Amazing. Can you share a favourite resource that you are loving at the moment? And this could be anything, a book, a podcast, a person, a Netflix document, anything. <laughs> um, so I have two podcasts that literally make me wet myself with laughter whenever I listen to them. And I listen generally to loads of like work-related podcasts. So these two are like my treats. Um, and they are the Jules and Sarah podcast with Jules Von Hepp and Sarah Powell, who literally just 
love them and they're like a ray of sunshine and the second one is shagged married annoyed with grace and Rosie ramsey which like i say i literally have tears rolling down my face when i listen to it and yeah it just feels like a really nice treat i'm just writing them down <laughs> <laughs> honestly there's a great back catalogue <laughs> I'm always looking for more, like you say, non-work podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Because I tend to listen to a podcast like most mornings to like start my day when I'm like making a cup of tea, having a shower. Um, Because also in the shower is where I get like weird, crazy, anxious thoughts. So I like to have a podcast on. Um, But generally they're always work. So yeah, I just like, gotta love the lols from Jules and Sarah and Chris and Rosie. (laughs) amazing (laughs) and last but definitely not least where can people go to find you online follow you keep up with you work with you just like shout yourself out and tell us where we can go (laughs) as soon as you said last but not least I was like oh god I haven't written another one down have I forgotten one but it's because I know the answer to this one Um, (laughs) I am um, mad and sad club on instagram and mad and sad club.co.uk on the tinterweb um there's loads of like free advice and guides and stuff on my website and um, i've done some IGTVs with a few stuff in and then there's a few kind of paid for resources and my um one-to-one mentoring on my website too amazing and where can people go if they're interested in the in the self-employed course oh that's a very good point um so there's a page on my website um that is let's work together and um then there's a page called stuff that helps and on the stuff that helps page there's um somewhere for you to sign up um to say that you're interested in that course or it might even be live by the time this goes out who knows but go to um the let's work together page on my website fantastic thank you so much joe i've loved this conversation it's so it's so important and I'm just really grateful for people like you for starting these conversations and for, you know, using your experience to make change and make waves in industries, in companies. And yeah, your work is so important. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That like means really means a lot thank you thank you for tuning in to put yourself first today if you resonated with this episode don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you don't miss another one and please consider leaving a rating and review in apple podcasts and if you know another woman who needs to hear this one today why not message her now with the link to keep up with me access more free resources find out more about one-on-one and group coaching or to just drop by and say hi find me at cat underscore horrocks on instagram or head to cathorrocks.com have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to put yourself first